What an honor it is to be at Hope Crossings in Jefferson, Georgia. Uh, my parents live in Jefferson, and I've come to love this area. It is so awesome. It's, it feels like I'm with family today. A lot of friends here that I've known for a while, and uh, I just so love your pastor, Pastor Chris. And um, we've, This is only our second time hanging out, but what has become clear to me is that you guys have a pastor who uh, doesn't seek to be seen, but actually seeks to serve. And uh, it's very evident in the way that he stops and communicates with us, the way that he takes time for people. Even in the lobby this morning, I watched as he was running around, and uh, I'm sure a lot on his mind, but stopping to talk to each person that he could. And uh, I just think it would be really appropriate to just honor Pastor Chris. Come on, if you love Pastor Chris, Miss Lisa, thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, if you want to go ahead and turn them on, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 6, and uh, if you have an Android, just leave that one in your pocket. Um, we don't want you uh, disturbing our airwaves in here. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 8, and as you turn there, uh, just really quick, I want to introduce you to my family. They are unable to be here with me. We live about 20 minutes away. This is my wife, Maddie, and Maddie and I will celebrate our uh, three-year anniversary in just a couple weeks. If you've ever seen the movie Sweet Home Alabama, has anyone seen the movie Sweet Home Alabama? If you've seen that movie, you've already met my wife, okay? Uh, Reese Witherspoon in that movie is Maddie. She is from Alabama. She has a sweet Southern accent. When she talks, it sounds like it should come with a side of mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. Um, she is uh, obviously very beautiful, but um, what attracted me to her was her love for Jesus and the way that she serves the Lord. And so that's what she's doing this morning. She's a greeter at our church. And uh, just a couple months ago, we welcomed our first child into the world. This is Lion James Heron. And uh, we have one more photo of him. Can we show the second one? Come on. Yes. He is so cute. I told my wife, I was like, if he comes out ugly, I'm not going to lie. I, we can pray that he grows through it, but uh, I'm not going to be one of those parents who lies. But he came out cute, so I don't have to lie. He's a cute kid, and that is 100% thanks to my wife. And so uh, his name's Lion. We named him Lion after uh, the scripture, Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee at the first sign of trouble, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And so we've just been praying boldness over his life for Jesus. And uh, his name is Lion, and he does roar sometimes in the middle of the night. So if I look tired, I am. <laughs> so uh, that's our family, and um, just honored to be here. And uh, today I'm preaching from one of my favorite passages of Scripture, uh, starting with my favorite verse in Scripture, Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. This is what it says. But Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. It's my favorite verse. If you don't, if you don't know why, you didn't catch that my name was Noah. Uh, we're actually going to read from verse 18, if you'll skip ahead. Um, the story of Noah is what I want to talk to you about today. And uh, I love to preach God's Word. It's, it's my favorite thing to do. Um, the only thing that I like to do more than preach God's word is to preach it to people who preach it back to me. So uh, you can say amen, you can say hallelujah, you can say preach a white boy, whatever you want to say, you can say it. 
Um, and if you hear something you don't like, just email me at austinsmith at gmail.com. And, uh, <laughs> okay, all right, here we go. Verse 18. But I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You'll board the ship and your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives will come on board with you. You're also to take two of every living creature, a male and a female, on board the ship to preserve their lives with yours. Two of every species of bird, mammal, reptile, two of everything, so as to preserve their lives along with yours. Also, get all the food you'll need and store it up for you and for them. Verse 22, Noah did everything that God commanded him to do. I'm going to read that again because I, that scripture. Noah did everything that God commanded him to do. What a legacy it would be to get to the end of your life, to, to get to the end of my life, and for people to look at us and say, they were people who did everything that God commanded him to do. What a story of faithfulness. Uh, Can we pray? Lord, thank you for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We ask that you would speak to us through your word, through Genesis chapter 6 today. Let us leave here uh, encouraged by what you're doing, our faith stirred by what you're doing and what you are going to do in the future. We ask that you would meet us here this morning. We love you. We thank you for Chick-fil-A and everybody said. Amen. Um, I always like to show uh, photos of my family at the beginning of a message for two reasons. Number one, statistics say that you'll listen to me longer if I do that. And uh, so now you have a little skin in the game here. You know, like what I'm going through and stuff with a, with a seven-month-old. And so uh, I do it for that reason. But I also do it because right now, this season of our life is truly a highlight season of life. Uh, They say social media is a highlight reel. Right now, this season of our life feels like it is really a highlight reel. We have this newborn baby. My wife recently started a new job. We're getting to preach the gospel to people all over the country this summer. Like, like we are living our dream. But how many of you know that uh, life is not always the highlight reel? Uh, If you are in a highlight season... I don't want to discourage you today, but chances are a low light is coming, you know? And and if you're in a low light season, let me encourage you, chances are a high light season is coming. It seems like life is this cycle of things are going great and then the house is burning down, you know? It's it's kind of one after the next and and it's the season of of peaks and, and of valleys. And so really quick, I would love to tell you um, a story of, of a, a, a little valley in my life. And it was the time that I told Maddie that I loved her for the first time. Can I share this story with you really quick? Amazing. I was going to do it anyway. So here we go. Um, when I met Maddie, I knew immediately, like, like within about four weeks, that I wanted to marry her. And maybe you're here and you're like, that is crazy. But when you've been praying for something for a long time and it walks up into your life sounding like Reese Witherspoon in Sweet Home Alabama, you know it's the Lord. And so uh, I was just so excited to meet this girl. And um, uh, we had been dating for a few months. And I, I was like, I got to tell her that I love her. I got to tell her that I love her. Uh, I don't want to miss this moment. Eventually, she's going to realize that she's dating someone much uglier than her, and I've got to capitalize. And so um, I, I started uh, like wanting to share this with her, but I would get so nervous. And so uh, there would be many times I'd be like, this is my moment, and I'd walk up to her, and I'd be like, hey, Maddie, I got to tell you something. She'd be like, what's going on? And I had every intention to tell her that I loved her, and then I'd be like, 
your parents are out of toilet paper in the spare bathroom. Like I would just say something random because I was so nervous. And so uh, I had a few of these moments and uh, finally I had this idea. There was a, a group of us, we had a, a big friend group of about 12 or 15 people and we had decided that this, this summer um, that we had first started dating, we were all going to take a trip. This is going to sound very bougie. I have an explanation. We decided we were going to take a trip to Hawaii, okay? It was a Groupon. It was $300 on a Spirit Airlines flight, okay? I don't recommend it. Um, but we went to Hawaii, and I was just thinking, man, what an amazing place to tell the woman of your dreams that you love her. Like, I cannot think of a better place. Like, I, in my head, I had it all planned out. I was going to like surf up on a surfboard. Uh, my hair was somehow longer than it's ever been. It was flowing in the wind. Uh, I'm picturing me holding coconuts in both hands. Like this is how I was picturing the scene. And uh, the reality is it looked a little different. Um, we were there. It was our second morning. I was sleeping on a pull-out couch with uh, two of what became my closest friends uh, as we were on that pull-out couch. And um, all of a sudden, I woke up about five o'clock in the morning to the sound of someone on the other side of the house where the girls were staying um, in the bathroom. And I just was like, oh man, I hope everything's okay. And uh, all of a sudden, I see Maddie walk out of the bedroom, walk through the kitchen, and walk out the screen glass door towards the ocean. And I am like, this girl sleepwalks. And so I jumped out of bed. I go running outside the screen door. She's standing there looking at the ocean. It feels very dramatic. And I'm like, hey, are you awake? <laughs> and she begins to explain to me. She said, my stomach hurts. I think I ate some bad fish for dinner, and I just needed some fresh air. And it was like in that moment, I heard the audible voice of the Lord say, this is your time. <laughs> and so I grabbed her hand and I said, why don't we just walk down the beach together? And so we started walking down the beach and I am not trying to hype this moment up. It was quite literally the most beautiful scene I've ever seen in my life. Like the, the sun had just begun to rise. We're in Hawaii. We're up before everyone else was awake. We're the only ones on the beach. The birds are chirping, like just this beautiful moment. And I'll never forget, we got to the end of this little stretch of beach and there was like this, this rocky uh, kind of area where the waves were crashing. And I thought, man, this is perfect. And so I stopped Maddie. I grabbed both of her hands. I looked into her beautiful blue eyes. And with every ounce of intentionality to stop my voice from cracking, I said, Maddie, I love you. And Maddie squeezed my hands, and she looked into my kind of average brown eyes. <laughs> and she said, Noah, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> and she ran through the bushes. <laughs> Life is not always a highlight reel. Life is not always a highlight reel. Uh, one of the reasons I love the story of Noah is I think on the surface, it looks like a highlight reel story. It looks like a cute little story that we tell our kids in kids' church, that we read to them at night before we go to bed. It's like, man, God told Noah to build an ark, to put two of every animal on it. He did it. Thank God he remembered the dogs. We wish he would have swatted the mosquitoes. But Noah did it. And the flood came, and his family lived, and everything was good. It's this cute little story, but when you really look at the story of Noah, 
When you, when you look beneath the surface, you actually see a very hard story, a story filled with lowlights, a story filled with doing things that no one else was doing. It's, it's a hard story. But to Noah, he had one goal. His goal was faithfulness. Did you know most Bible scholars believe that Noah built this ark for close to 120 years? That's how long it took for him to build this thing, 120 years. Can you imagine doing anything for 120 years? I don't know if I've kept a New Year's resolution once longer than 30 days. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like every, every January, I have the same resolution. It's like, this is the year I'm going to get jacked. I'm like, I'm going to look like Zac Efron. I'm going to get my head in the game. I'm going to be in the gym. And then what happens? Like week three, I've stopped eating grass and I'm back at Chick-fil-A. Because starting things is easy, but finishing things is hard. God has called us not just to start things, but to finish things. And Noah was on to something way back in Genesis chapter 6. It's that God's measurement of success is simply one thing. It's faithfulness. Are you faithful with what he's asked you to do? Are you obedient to what he's asked you to do? Um, a couple years ago, I came across this article. I, I don't read the newspaper often, but um, somehow I found this article in the New York Times that was talking about uh, millennials and Gen Z. And uh, it's, it kind of piqued my interest because a lot of articles um, that are about that generation, my generation, they're, they're not always positive. And this one kind of started out as positive and it, and it tricked me and it took a hard turn and, and said negative things. But I read the whole thing and this is basically what it said. It said that the average millennial and Gen Z adults, when they enter into adulthood, between ages 18 and 30, that average millennial and Gen Z person will hold 14 different full-time jobs the first 12 years of their life. That number shocked me. I was like, this is crazy. But then I started thinking about all my friends, and I'm like, man, they, they've had a lot of jobs already. I, I've had a couple of jobs already. And, and the whole premise of the article was to say that not just as a generation, but as human beings, we have increasingly become more about the next best opportunity. If there is a better opportunity to be had, we will take it. If there's a better paying job, we will take it. If there's a job that increases our reputation or our clout or, or lets people think higher of us, we will immediately take it. And uh, my point this morning is not to say if someone offers you a better job, not to take it. My point is simply to say as followers of Jesus, we have to be really careful that we don't become opportunity chasing people. Because the God that we serve is not a God of opportunity. He's actually a God of assignments. And there's a big difference between an opportunity and an assignment. Here's a few differences. An opportunity might uh, be about bringing your name glory, but your assignment will always bring God's name glory. An opportunity might be really exciting and full of hype, but your assignment will give purpose to your life. An opportunity might be something that lasts for a season, but an assignment is normally a much longer deal. 
There's a big difference between an opportunity and assignment. And this morning, I want to encourage you for the next few minutes not to give up on your God-given assignment for another man-made opportunity to be faithful. The reality is when we get to heaven one day, we're not gonna hear well done my good and famous servant. We're not gonna hear well done my good and rich servant. We're not gonna hear well done my good and a lot of people liked you servant. We are going to hear well done my good and faithful servant. The goal of our lives should be faithfulness to the Lord. Can we be faithful with what God has asked us to do? Can we be faithful like Noah to build the boat. Why don't you turn to somebody and say, build the boat. Turn to your second choice, say, build the boat. <laughs> One of my favorite scriptures is Galatians chapter six, verse nine. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Simply, it's saying we will win if we stay in the fight. We will see God come through on his end if we just keep showing up. We've got the easy part, it's just to show up. When we show up, God does the heavy lifting. Uh, when I was about five years old, my mom uh, signed me up for T-ball. And uh, my coach, he, uh, he didn't see the promise in my young athletic career. And so he put me in right field. I don't know if you've been to a T-ball game lately, but not many balls get hit to right field. And so we were about three or four games into the season. I think there were five games total. Um, and not a single ball had been hit to right field. Uh, but I didn't really care because all I cared about was the free snow cone after the game. That's all I cared about. Uh, I, I was not very good at t-ball. In fact, I was not very good at focusing in the t-ball game. My coach was always trying to keep me engaged in the game. So he'd be like, Noah, how many outs are there? And I'd be like, grape. And so T-ball was going great. And um, we get to the last game of the season. It was like the third or fourth inning. And uh, I'm, you know, <laughs> I remember before the game uh, telling my mom that I wanted to play a different sport because, uh, because no, no, no baseballs were ever hit to me in right field. And, and so third or fourth inning comes around. And uh, this kid gets up to bat and he hits one and really gets a hold of it. And by really getting a hold of it, I mean he hit a ground ball that went through the first baseman's legs and it rolled into right field. And, and the crowd is going wild, right? My mom and three other moms are going wild. <laughs> and everyone looks into right field to see that there was no right fielder. Because the right fielder, your boy, was already standing around the fence in the snow cone line in the third inning. <laughs> my wife had never heard that story. And uh, a couple months ago, we were at the dinner table and my mom was, was telling this story to my wife and she was laughing and it was like this fun moment. But as we were sitting there, I, I'd been thinking about this idea of faithfulness. And that story brought a thought to my mind. And the thought was this, what a tragedy it would be for God to put you in a place, in a season, for a specific thing, in a position for him to use you and for him to get glory through your life, for you to believe that he put you there, only for you to leave and give up right before a miracle took place. What a tragedy it would be for you to stop being faithful right before 
you saw the hand of God move in your life? What if this morning you came here and you thought about giving up on something, a relationship? You thought about giving up on something, a a calling. You thought about giving up on something, a career. And God sent a skinny white boy from 20 minutes away to tell you that you do not need a position change. You simply need a perspective change, that what you are doing does matter, that faithfulness still works, that the little things that nobody sees actually matters. What incredible rewards will we see in heaven for unknown disciples from all over the earth who simply decided, I'm going to keep being faithful. God put me here. God asked me to do it. And if he asked me to do it, that's good enough for me. I've been thinking a lot about why people give up before God's done. And I think one of the big reasons is because it's so easy, especially in 2022, to compare what we're doing with the person beside us. We can compare results. We can compare timelines. We see people maybe who are younger than us, that it seems like they're ahead of us, and all of a sudden we get really discouraged. And instead of just focusing on the Lord and what he's asking us to do, we start focusing on timelines and what he's doing in other people's lives. But if we believe God, and we believe that faithfulness is the goal, success in our life is not me compared to you. Success in our life is simply me compared to what has God asked me to do. Noah understood this principle. There's no way that he did it. You cannot do something for 120 years and not get this idea. Uh, My wife makes fun of me because when I read the Bible, I'm kind of dramatic. And um, I like to think about, uh, I actually have like an ongoing ranking of what Bible stories would be the best Netflix shows. And I really think that the story of Noah would be like an incredible eight-season series on Netflix. Like, I, I think it would be fascinating. And so I just want you to humor me for a second, okay? Um, what I'm about to do, I'm about to turn the story of Noah into a Netflix show. This is not the Bible. You should just read it verse for verse later. Uh, but just for a second, humor me. Like, imagine the scene in Noah's Netflix show when Noah comes home to tell his wife what he's about to do. Hey, babe, quit my job today. Really? Why'd you do that? Thinking about building a boat. Why do you want to do that? God told me to do it. Okay. Is it a fishing boat? Are you going to fish? Is that how we're going to pay the bills? Put the kids through college? Think more carnival cruise ship. Let's just imagine that that conversation went over well, which as a guy who's been married just three years, I don't think it probably went great. But let's just imagine it went great. What about like year 20? Another dinner conversation. Here we go. Hey, Noah, um, you know the dinner parties we used to get invited to? with the neighbors, with the tea and the crumpets. Now they're British. I don't know what's happening. It's a British Netflix show. We don't don't get invited anymore because our neighbors think we're crazy. 
Are you sure that this is what God's asked you to do? And Noah's just. What about year 30, year 40, year 50, year 60? I think an important thing to remember when we're talking about the story of Noah is that nobody was celebrating Noah's faithfulness. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we can kind of feel sorry for ourselves when we're being faithful and seems like results aren't following. But the reality is most of us in this room, actually I would say all of us in this room, at the very least we have people who will celebrate our faithfulness. We have a church family that'll celebrate our faithfulness. We have pastors who will celebrate our faithfulness. We may have actual family who will celebrate our faithfulness. Noah at best had his wife and his kids that were celebrating what he was doing. No one was writing articles. No one was tagging him in social media posts. But Noah was just. What about year 100? I just picture like people in the town walking by the backyard that looked like a Home Depot. You know, and they're like, Noah, you're still out here? Crazy old man. Your kids are grown. Wasted all this time. What a wasted life. And Noah's just, I just got to keep building the boat. Maybe you're here and you're like, this guest speaker, is he a boat salesman? <laughs> what are we talking about? What are, what are boats? I, I think the boat in your life could be a bunch of different things. I think maybe for you, it could be that you've been coming to Hope Crossing. You love it here. This is your church family. But you haven't started serving. Maybe God's asking you to start building the boat of this church and to start serving with your time, maybe serving with your finances. Maybe it's time to start tithing and building this house with your finances. Maybe for you, the boat that God's calling you to build is the boat of your marriage. You know, you, you were building that boat in the beginning. It's, hey, I'm only three years in. I'm not going to get up here and preach a marriage sermon, okay? But, but maybe it was easy when you were three years in to have date night and to pour into your spouse and, and to be intentional. But, but maybe like year 15 or year 20, somewhere along the way, like you just stopped putting the effort in. And maybe today's the day that God's asking you to pick back up the tools and start building that boat again. Maybe you're here and, and it's a calling that you know that God called you, you know that you know you heard a word from the Lord, but some times pass and, and the results don't line up, and you're like, ah, was I really called? Did God really promise that I would do that? And maybe today God's just asking you to have your faith stirred and to actually believe the word that He spoke over you. I don't know what the boat is that God's called you to build, but this is what I know. Two things. Number one, that we all have a boat. And number two, the boat is much bigger than you think. Because our God does not build mediocre boats. He does not give mediocre callings. He does not ask us to do mediocre things. He is a God of exceedingly more than we can ask, think, or imagine. So what's the boat that God's called you to build? 
I want to close with a, a, a story um, of a boat that's really important to uh, our family. Um, I have a little sister. Her name's Carson. And uh, Carson, when she was 13 years old, she went on a missions trip to Nicaragua. And it was a missions trip that absolutely changed her life. Maybe you've been on a missions trip and you've had a similar experience. For my sister, uh, she went to Nicaragua and it was the first time that she ever saw uh, poverty like that. And she had this clear, distinct word from the Lord that she was going to be a missionary to the country of Nicaragua. And so for the next year, my sister watched YouTube videos every single day and taught herself to speak fluent Spanish. When she turned 14 years old, she started leading trips as a 14-year-old of 50-plus adults to Nicaragua every single year, twice a year. My little sister started translating for the pastors. She started helping with the feeding program in Nicaragua that feeds over 15,000 kids every single day. She started pouring her life into being a missionary. Her senior year of high school, she uh, still had this dream. She still believed that God was calling her to be full-time missionary in Nicaragua. Um, but she really wanted to go to college, and so she was trying to figure all that out. And she found out about this school called Emmanuel College. It's uh, about an hour, hour and a half from here. And they have this missions program. And she started learning about the missions program. She got super excited about it. So she comes home, senior year of college, tells, or senior year of high school, sorry, she tells my parents. She says, I think that God is asking me to go to Emmanuel College as a part of my, my calling for, for, to be a missionary. This is the boat that God's asking me to build. And my parents are like, this is amazing. This is awesome. You know the college you want to go to. It's not the Georgia Bulldogs. We wish it was, but this is awesome. Emmanuel College. So they get online and they type in Emmanuel College and they find out that Emmanuel College costs $40,000 a year. And my parents were like, are you sure that you heard from the Lord? Because my parents are pastors. So like we grew up very blessed, but then sometimes we would walk by the pond and the ducks would throw bread at us. It was like that kind of a thing. And so my parents are like, are you sure? And she's like, I'm, I'm positive. And so my parents made this deal. They said, Carson, if you can get scholarship money to go to Emmanuel College to make this affordable, then we'll just say this is the Lord opening that door. But if not, we need to have a backup plan. It seemed like a reasonable thing. So they get to the end of her senior year of high school and it's May. She's about to graduate high school and not a single, a single dollar of scholarship money has come in. And so my parents have to have the hard conversation with my sister. They sit her down at the dinner table and they're like, Carson, it's too much money. You're gonna be a missionary. You're not gonna make any money. You'll never be able to repay the loan. We have to think about a backup plan. And my little sister, if you've ever met her, she is as strong-willed and stubborn as they come. This is what she told my parents. She said, my entire life, you've taught me that faith in God does not need a backup plan. And now you're flip-flopping on that. She pushed her spaghetti to the, middle of the dinner table, and she said, can I please be excused from the dinner table? My parents were like, do we ground her? This wasn't in the parenting handbook. And so my parents tell the story. I, I was out of the house and um, not living there by that time. But my parents tell the story that my little sister 
could be heard just weeping in her bedroom that night. Just, just weeping. And they said that after 15 or 20 minutes of hearing my little sister crying, they heard her stop crying and start singing. And she started singing this song, Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, light in the dark. My God, that is who you are. And she's just singing it over and over. My parents are downstairs washing dishes and they start singing it from downstairs just over and over and over. The craziest thing happened. A couple days later, it was Emmanuel visitation, college visitation day for incoming freshmen. And my parents were really torn up about it. They're like, do we take her? Do we not? We don't want to get her hopes up. Nothing's changed financially. At the last second, they decided to go, her and my dad, they spend all day touring the campus, signing up for classes, all this stuff. And as they're about to leave, someone says, hey, is your name Carson? My sister said, yeah, that's me. They said, will you follow me? Someone's looking for you. So they follow this stranger to the admissions office, find themselves talking to the president of Emmanuel College in his office having small talk, and he goes, hey, this is going to sound crazy. But the other day, someone said that they felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to them to donate a full ride's worth of money to an incoming freshman who wants to be a missionary in a Spanish-speaking country. And I've looked at the entire list of incoming freshmen, and you are the only person that matches that description. He said, would you like to come to Emmanuel College for free? My little sister looked at my dad and said, I told you. <laughs> Last weekend, my little sister graduated from Emmanuel College with not a single dollar in debt. She's going to be a full-time missionary to Nicaragua. I tell you that story to remind you that when we show up, we don't do the heavy lifting. We serve a God who does the heavy lifting. If you're here this morning and you feel like you're surrounded, Exodus 14, 14 says, you don't have to fight the battle for the Lord will fight for you. You just have to be still. If you're here and you feel like the enemy's coming at you with all different types of attacks, let me remind you, Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. If you feel like what is on the other side is greater than he that is in you, let me remind you Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? If you feel too dirty, too ashamed, too broken, too full of sin and regret, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin became sin so that you and so that me might become right with God. There is no excuse. There is no reason. We serve a God who even when we are faithless, he is faithful and he is here and he sees you just as past Pastor Chris so beautifully said this morning, he cares about the inmost parts that no one else knows about. He cares about the boats that he's called you to build, and he wants you to end faithful. He wants you to end faithful. Will you stand with me? This is how I'd love to end. We're going to sing, I think, a chorus or two. But before we do, will you just close your eyes? If you're here and you say, I just want to make a declaration that I'm gonna build the boat. Will you just stretch your hands this way? I, I, I wanna build the boat. I wanna end faithful. I would love to just pray for you before we go back into this song. Lord, thank you for every single person who's making this declaration today, Lord.
God, we pray for faithful marriages. We pray for faithful families. We pray for faithful callings, faithful careers. God, we pray for faithfulness, that we would be a people not known for our talents, not known for our abilities, not known for even what we accomplish, but we would be people who are known for faithfulness because when we become faithful, miraculous things happen. We don't wanna live lives that we can get credit for, God. We wanna live lives that only you can get credit for, that only you can get the glory for, Lord. So God, show us the areas of our heart this morning that need encouragement. Show us the areas of our heart this morning that have been listening to lies. God, replace them with the truth of your word, that you are with us, that you are for us, that you go before us and behind us, Lord, that there is not a single endeavor that we partake in that you are not active in. God, you are the one who is building the boat and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen.